This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Well, I know with Eleanor, when she was struggling so much with math, if she had been able to do online learning at home, she would have been much better able to keep up with class, and that would have just made the whole situation much easier for her. Don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And half your listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com happier. Visit IXL.com happier to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week we'll talk about a strategy, the strategy to stop talking, and we'll hear from the brilliant Joanna Coles about her new book, Love Rules. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, it's just a few days to your birthday. Happy early birthday. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Scratch, May has my birthday, my anniversary, and Mother's Day. So May is my (laughs) month. It's a good month. Yes, I love May. Um, So, listen, before we jump in for our Try This at Home, summer's approaching here in the United States. And for the past few years, we've talked about this idea to plan your summer. Yes, we talked about it first in episode 67 for 2016 and then in episode 118 for 2017. And we're bringing it up again. So it's time to be thinking about your summer, how to plan your summer to make it great. Yeah, and years ago, what the quotation that really got me focused on Design Your Summer, because this was an idea that was really important to me, was from a book called The Enthusiasms of Robertson Davies. I love the work of Robertson Davies, his fiction and his nonfiction. And in this essay, he writes, Every man makes his own summer. The season has no character of its own unless one is a farmer with professional concern for the weather. Circumstances have not allowed me to make a good summer for myself this year. My summer has been overcast by my own heaviness of spirit. I have not had any adventures, and adventures are what make a summer. And so every summer, it's like, okay, plan your summer. Think of your summer. What's going to make your, you have to make your own summer. And of course, it doesn't really have to be summer. It could be your winter. It could be, it's, it's this idea of taking a season and trying to make the season distinctive, rich, special, so that when you come to the end of it, you're not like, oh gosh, uh, I thought I was going to do all this stuff and none of it got done. Yes. I love this idea of planning adventures. Yeah, planning adventures. So we'd love to hear your ideas. Let us know. 
Yes. And to get you thinking, here's something we heard from our listener, Lauren. She said, I live in Michigan and travel daily for work. This puts me near one of the Great Lakes three to four days a week and near smaller lakes every day. For the last six years, I have been on a quest from May to September to have lake at lunch as many times as I can. I enjoy the beautiful Michigan beaches and summer weather while doing a normal workday activity. The change of scenery and natural beauty makes working on a beautiful summer day a bit happier. And this is a great idea. Like, of course, most of us could not do that because we don't live near Mm -hmm. a bunch of lakes. But it's sort of like, well, what could I do as part of my ordinary day just to set this part of the year apart and make it feel special and kind of make it feel more rich or if the weather's better take advantage of the weather if you know whatever it might be yeah this is always a challenge for me Gretchen because as you know my summer is usually very very busy with work but um, I still love the idea of planning an adventure and making you know summer its own special thing well it's also hard for you because in LA the season isn't that different so for a lot of people the season is really makes the time special, but your seasons are much more all alike. True, although to us, they feel very different. <laughs> yes. Subtle degrees, the subtle de- we feel them. Yes, the Uggs come out uh, no matter what the, what, what the temperature. Yeah, so plan your summer. Let us know what your ideas are, because we're both starting to think about planning our summer, and, and it'd be fun to hear what people are thinking about as we head into this new season of the year. Also, Gretchen, we're gearing up for a very special episode next week where we're going to report on our progress um, for our 18 for 18 lists. So everyone has been sending us their stories, what you've done, what have you not done, what are your favorite (laughs) things you've accomplished, and what have you learned about yourself? So we're loving those stories. Thanks, everybody. And now, Elizabeth, for this week's Try This at Home. This week's Try This at Home tip is the strategy of stop talking. And I was inspired about this idea because of a story from a friend about how stop talking worked for her. Gretch, this is going to be an interesting one because you and I both talk a lot. (laughs) So stop talking is going to be interesting for us. Yes, it's it's going to be a real strategy to to (laughs) explore. So my friend was out of town and she has a son who's 15 years old and by the way, like six feet tall. And he was taking the train home from camp. And so his teacher had dropped him off in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And um, but to continue on to New York City, he had to switch to a different train, which he was getting ready to do. And his father was going to meet him in New York City. But then when he tried to switch to the other train to go to directly to New York City, the conductor stopped him from boarding because he was traveling alone. And the conductor called my friend who, you know, was like very far away and said, your son can't get on this train. And, you know, panic. And it turns out, she found out, that if you're 15, you can travel alone on the train, but you have to have all these, like, protocols in place. Like, you have to have an adult bring the kid to the station and sign a release form, and the kid has to be interviewed before boarding and all this stuff. They didn't know. They were like, he could just buy a ticket and get on the train like anybody else. Um, So the conductor was saying to my friend, your son cannot get on the train. Mm-hmm. Now, so if this were me, I would be totally, totally in a panic. Not, like, what do you oh, do? Oh, my gosh. And um, so my friend said, I am hours away from my son. Do you think it's safer for my son to stay where he is all alone on this platform in this random town? Are you going to stay with him until somebody comes for him? Or do you think it's safer for him to just continue on to New York City where he will be met with his, by his father? And then she said, 
she just stopped talking. And she said it was so hard because you want to keep talking and talking and talking. Mm-hmm. But she just stopped and was just like, what are you going to do about it? And she said the conductor hemmed and hawed and finally said, okay. And uh. I think it would take so much restraint for me in a situation like that to just stop talking. But it oh, was so me effective. Too. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. As soon as you say the story, it makes perfect sense because once she stops talking, then the conductor has to offer solutions. Yes. And he's going to realize quickly as he starts talking that there isn't really any other solution but to let the kid get on the train. Yes. So it's like if she had kept talking, she could have whipped herself into a frenzy or talked herself into being like, okay, well, I'll be there by three o'clock. Uh, put him in this, you know, yeah, waiting room. In the waiting room, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's really brilliant. I think it's really hard to do. I think it's really hard to do. And I think you make the, an excellent point, which is like when you're talking, it's like the ball's in your court. What are you going to say? What are you going to come up with? When you stop talking, it's like now it's your turn. And really, it's like the ball is in your court. This is a decision for you to make as the person, you know, at the train. And what I found, and I could imagine myself doing it here, is like, if I keep talking, I will talk myself into accommodation. I, mm-hmm. Even if I should stand my ground, I talk my way into, well, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do this, I will work it out. I like, because I keep talking, I talk myself into that. Now, sometimes that can be helpful in certain circumstances, but that I think sometimes I talk myself into an accommodation where really I should just say, this is, you know, I'm going to stand my ground. This is what I think. This is where I stand. Now, what do you say yeah. What's also good about this is a lot. some people are really great talkers, yes. great arguers, yes. or they might have a really loud, booming voice. <laughs> and in arguing with them, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So it's not going to serve your interests. For instance, I'm thinking a writer was telling me a story the other day that she was on set with a very famous um, actress And the actress, you know, sort of challenged her about something in a scene. And this actress, you know, has a big personality, could be very persuasive. And what this writer did, instead of standing there and debating the scene in the moment, she said to the actress, look, I'm a writer. I do all my thinking alone in a room. I'm going to go off. I'm going to think about your point and I'm going to come back and talk to you. And that way, she was able to go off, come up with something concise to say, because she knew if she just stood there arguing that the actress would win the argument. Right, right. Well, this is a version of your idea to say, well, we'll take a look at that to sort of say, Mm, like, we're going to we're not going to debate that right now and figure this out right now. We're just but we're going to take a look at it. But I think this is right. Like there are people who can just bulldoze you with the force of their personality and with the like just the, the, the avalanche of their words. And they're going to beat you down. Yes. And I, I had a friend who said she had a boss who was like that. Like anything she said, anything she proposed, he had a million reasons why she was wrong. And he would just and he loved nothing more and was tremendously energized by argument. And she learned that for her, it was a version of stop talking. Like when he proposed something that she disagreed with, she would say, I don't think that's the right approach. And then she would just mm. stop talking and she wouldn't make her case. And then he would be like, blah, 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 blah. Then he eventually he runs out of steam. If somebody's not arguing against Mm-hmm. You eventually your conversation just peters out. And then she said what she learned is that like a day or two he would go off and then a day or two later he would come back on his own and be like, you know what, I think I understand. And like, we, you know, so then he would talk himself into it. But she did better strategically by stop talking. 
Well, and it also kept her calm. Yes. I mean, because so much of this is yes. when the more you talk, I mean, I know for me, I can really lose my calm. Yes. So just if I'm not talking, then I can't sort of fly off the handle. Right. Well, it's a way to respond by not responding. You don't get drawn in. You stay detached and, and you don't you don't get yourself whipped up into that frenzy, which can feel which can be very counterproductive and and, and feels bad. Yeah. You know what, Gretchen, I'm proud to tell you, I actually <laughs> used this strategy the other day. Excellent. And it worked. Yeah. Yes. We were mixing our pilot, um, which is when you, you know, do all the final sound and the music editing. And, it you know, it's a very important process. And we were there was a music issue at the end of the teaser just wasn't the editing wasn't working quite right. And Sarah wasn't there because she had a family thing. And normally she's really detail oriented and good at sort of flagging these things. But so I was like felt extra pressure because Sarah wasn't there. Right. And anyway, something just wasn't right. And I said, you know, the end of the teaser is not sounding right. And it was all these guys in the room and they were like, well, we all decided yesterday that this is the best it could be. And, you know, this is all we can do. Mm -hmm. And I just said, well, it's the end of the teaser. It's a really important moment and it's not good enough. It's not working. And then I just didn't say anything else Mm. because I didn't know how to fix it. Mm. And then... I just made that declarative statement, said nothing else. And then in a couple seconds, they were like, well, we could do this or we could do that. <laughs> well, there is this option. And sure enough, yeah, they changed the end of the teaser and it sounded wonderful uh, because, of course, they're all experts right. who are great at their jobs. Anyway, and I felt good about myself for getting that point through yeah. when, you know, calmly and concisely. Right. Well, and I think you're saying something that's really important, an aspect of why stop talking can often work, which is you're not getting drawn into an argument about solutions. You're letting the other person, and and like in Mm -hmm. this case and in the conductor's case, the person who properly should generate solutions, you're leaving it to their expertise. And one thing I realize is I start, if I keep talking, I start to generate solutions. And Mm. and that's often not good. And this has happened several times with cover designs with books. So Mm. this is one of my least favorite parts. It seems like it'd be tons of fun, but it's very, very stressful to do the cover design. The jacket. You do judge a book by its cover. I do. You do. Everybody does. It's incredibly important. It's not something that I really know much about. And it's very stressful. And so what will happen is something won't be working. And what I learned is that if I say, but what if you did this? And what if you do that? And what if you did that? Maybe that would fix it. What happens is they go back. They do what I said they should do. And then if I don't like it, they're like, well, but this is what you told us to do. So this right. is what it's going to be. And I'm like, but I know nothing. And so now I say yeah. something like it's I feel like it's too crowded or I feel like it's not imperial mm. enough or whatever. And I'm like, but it's for you to solve. I'm not going to keep talking and generating solutions because I don't know what the solution is. Why am I talking? I should stop right, talking right. and let the people who do it. So I think when you stop talking also, you... You don't interfere in that process and a lot because a lot of times you don't get the best solution that you could get. Yeah, I mean, I think this um, Try This at Home, Gretchen, is one that is going to require an enormous amount of discipline. Yes. But I think it could be one of our most life-changing Try This at Homes. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. It's like, you know, I love knowing the right thing to say. And this is the right thing to say is nothing. Um, let's silence. Be your ally. You know, stay calm. It's, it feels good because it stays calm. You're in control if you can remember or if I can remember because it is hard. It does take discipline, an amazing amount of discipline to do nothing. Yes. 
And Gretch, one thing to note is that our strategy of stop talking isn't about the value of listening, right. <laughs> which is also important and can be its own try this yes. at home. But this is something different. This is just about not talking as a strategy. Right. Not talking. So let us know if you do try this at home and how the strategy to stop talking works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is episode 169. So the show notes are at happiercast.com slash 169 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a phone-related happiness hack. But first, this break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Elizabeth, I love this happiness hack, and it riffs off of something we talked about in episode 167. So in that episode, a listener had suggested keeping an empty shelf in your smartphone by clearing off your home screen to keep just the most useful, most frequently used apps in the front so that you had a feeling of kind of space and an empty shelf there. And then you cram all your lesser used apps into the back so that they weren't visually, you didn't have that visual noise. And so this listener has another way to help with the visual noise of your smartphone. Yes, Paige says... I cleaned off my home screen a month ago to only the vital apps, but I was frustrated with the look of the screens that followed. Then I thought of it. I'd arrange those by color. 
At first, I did it only to look pleasing, but since I often remember the color of the app I am looking for, red is Yelp, blue is Facebook, it actually gets me to these secondary apps faster. Now, see, of course, I love this app because it combines two of my favorite ideas, color and Mm -hmm. outer order inner calm, because you're using color to create more calm. And, you know, it's funny, like she said this and then I heard about it from various other people, too. I think this is an idea that's kind of catching on. It's so good, like the podcast app, for example, and the iPhone is purple. Yes. So it's like, yeah, if, th- if there's a purple set, of course, I have the podcast app on my home screen because yeah. it's very important to me. But it's like, I love that notion of putting them together and then it's like a visual cue of where to go. And it does just look much more pleasing. I have to say, I did this and it's just funny how to your eye, it's just more restful. It's it's a less chaotic experience. Like it just feels more orderly. It's like, you know, have you ever gone to uh, like into a store or into somebody's house where they've arranged their books by color, by mm. the titles of their the book? Now, to me, as somebody who reads all the time, I feel like that's kind of like sacrilege that you would that mm. you that they're not alphabetized or Dewey Decimal System mm-hmm. or something. But it looks great. I love the way mm-hmm. that it looks. And this kind of creates that in the shelf. Just like you have an empty shelf, you have the color arranged shelves. And so I, th- I think this is fun. It's really easy to do. And it really changes the experience of you opening up your phone. Yeah, I just still need to figure out how to rearrange my app scratch. And I know it's incredibly easy. And there's a trick um, to it, I though. Will, I will say I will that. Ask someone. You, you, I there's ask a little someone. bit of a trick to it. Like once you get it, it's easy, but it's not totally easy because ha- there is okay. a trick to it. You can get there. I got there. You can get there. And now yeah. it's time for an interview. We are so happy to be talking today to Joanna Coles. Joanna has had an extraordinary career in the newspaper and magazine business. She served as editor-in-chief of Marie Claire and Cosmopolitan, and she's now chief content officer of Hearst Magazines. She's also in the TV world. She's the executive producer of The Bold Type, a scripted show inspired by her life. And Gretchen, I have seen every episode of Uh. The Bold Type. It's (laughs) on Freeform, and I love it. And she was a mentor on Project Runway All-Stars, Um, I also saw every episode of that that she did. So I'm a huge Joanna Coles fan. And if all that is not enough, she has just published a book called Love Rules, How to Find a Real Relationship in a Digital World. And this is certainly a huge happiness stumbling block for many people. They want to be in a loving, committed relationship, and they're not. So, Joanna, it's so great to have you here. Thank you. I've listened to this podcast many, many times. Uh, Perhaps not the whole 164. (laughs) I'm I'm not sure I've listened to everyone, but I've certainly listened to a lot of them. And I feel as if I know you. So it's thrilling to actually come in and sit down. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. Yeah, I feel like I know you, Joanna, because I've watched you on Project Runway and I watched The Bold Type. So I, I feel like you're my my good friend. Well, <laughs> well, back at you. Uh, uh, and it's fun to actually sort of connect over something. It is. It is. And it's so great to have you here to talk about your book. Well, thank you. So, Joanna, can you tell us how the love rules are different if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or, you know, if it's your first serious relationship or you're rebounding from a divorce? Do the rules change or are they always the same? Well, the book is actually written for every age and every stage, and it's really aimed at millennials, alpha generation, Gen Z, but also anybody who's been widowed or divorced and is going back out there again Mm. because the landscape looks Mm. so different. And I would say the only real difference is that I think... um, 
boomers are less frightened of picking up the telephone to figure out if someone they've connected with online is worth time in real life. Mm. Millennials will do anything (laughs) rather than pick up the phone. Honestly, they will even take out the trash. They don't want to pick up the phone. And yet it's such an important thing to do. And do you feel that just this change on social media and matchup sites is just revolutionized how this all plays out? I mean, I think it's absolutely revolutionized how things are playing out. And the great news is, and this is not remotely anti-digital, I'm not an anti-digital person, I love my phone, and I'm very excited about the potential for dating apps because they really can expand your life. But the flip side is they can feel, make you feel really interchangeable and highly disposable. And of course, there is the sort of virtual aspect to it. And I liken this to when I go virtual shopping on Net-A-Porter or SaxFifthAvenue.com and I put the $6,000 Gucci jacket into my virtual (laughs) shopping basket and then the next day I go back to it and I do not commit to purchase and I think there's an element of that playing out because it's so transactional and I think that it's very hard for people and people take it very personally we're facing epidemic levels of loneliness and these devices brilliant though they are were supposed to connect us and what they've done is make it easier to connect but more difficult to get to know people Mm. Well, that's why one thing I love that you talk about in the book is that now there's sort of friend-making apps instead of dating apps, which seems really smart to connect groups of people. So then you're, you can meet people in person as opposed to online, which that sort of seems like the wave of the future. Yes. I mean, I think Bumble realized very quickly that a lot of people were using Bumble when they moved to a new town to make connections with people. So they quickly came up with Bumble BFF, you know, Bumble Best Friend. And then they've done Bumble Biz, which allows women on business trips to connect with each other if you're, say, in a town where you don't know anybody and you want someone to have dinner with, which I think is a brilliant idea. And apps are fantastic like that for putting people together, but they can't do the work of actually being a friend, which is what I think. They can facilitate connections, but they can't. Yeah, they're a tool. They're a tool. And the idea that they're anything more than that is, I think, wrong. Well, it's it's so interesting because on the podcast, we talk a lot about happiness stumbling blocks and something that comes up over and over and over in many, many different iterations and variations is how do you make friends as a grown-up? How do you stay in, in touch with your family when you're busy? How do you make a connection for the first time? And then how do you maintain it over time? And I, I think it is of central importance, but there's no shortcut. There is no shortcut to the hard work of just being there for another person. Right. And I think, too, that, you know, when you're in college, you're, you're studying yeah. and you're in teams. You've yeah. got sort of structured hobbies, if you like, or structured social life. When you go into the workplace, you have work and then you're sort of meeting your friends and hanging out or having supper or whatever, but you're not necessarily doing stuff together. And I think the power of doing something, of being in a community where you're contributing to something bigger than the sum of the group is really fun. So it might be volunteering. It could be taking kids out and playing football with them in, you know, underprivileged areas. It could be visiting old people or it could be literally joining a sports team. Joanna, I'm dying to hear because, I mean, you obviously talk to young women all the time. What are the biggest mistakes that you see people making over and over again, men and women? Well, it's, it's a great question. And I think that one of the things that struck me as missing in the conversation was 
the idea of dating being fun and of people falling in love. Mm. And I wanted mm. to reinforce how exciting it is to fall in love for the first time, yeah. uh, or second or third time, and that this should be fun. And I think partly because there's so much reliance on has anybody matched with me? Have I got a connection with someone? It felt less personal than someone winking at you across a bar ah. or running into someone at a friend's house and there being a sort of instant connection. Ah. And and I think that you don't hear people talking about falling in love in the way that you actually used to. And I think now people tend to get naked first and figure ah. out if they like each other rather than the other way around. And so you want to remind people of this other this other way. Well, yeah, I want yeah. people to it's have fun. fun and to enjoy this. And it shouldn't feel like a chore. And one of the mistakes I think people I talked to felt they were doing was was that they turned it into a chore. Yeah. Right. Well, and so given that, like, if you are serious about wanting to have a loving relationship, like you want to go into it and you sort of you want to you want to do it. And like maybe it is starting to feel like a work or like this is on, this is my biggest you know thing on my to do list. Well, what, what would you say is the most important thing that someone should do? Well, I've got worksheets in the book yeah. and questions <laughs> yeah. that I ask people to fill in. But actually, I think one of the most helpful things is to keep a love journal and ah. to track your own behavior, how, ah. how you feel in different situations and what kind of people do you feel excited around uh, in among the people that you know. And often there are people hiding in plain sight that ah. you know, people don't consider. Mm. And ah. they always assume that they're going to you know, run into a stranger on a street yeah. and be a hit by a thunderbolt. Um, but in fact, that's not actually how love works. For the most part, it works because people spend time together, start liking each other. And when somebody likes you, you're more likely yes. to like them. That, that is a very... And it builds, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And right. so um, I think it's important to remind people of that. So you think that by keeping a love journal, it's sort of like, oh, if you see that this one person's name keeps popping up over and over again, you're like, oh, well, maybe I didn't think about this person in this context, but maybe there's a different role for this relationship in my life. Yes. And I think when people are talking about trying to lose weight or at least morph onto a healthier diet, one of the things people, nutritionists encourage them to do is to keep a sort of food journal. So you're actually tracking what you're putting into your body. Yes. And I think um, there's a tendency sometimes to be in denial about the people we actually hang out with or the people we actually like. And so if you can be your own data analytics expert and keep <laughs> data on yourself, yeah. which is essentially yes. what a, a diary is or a journal yeah. is, you can figure out what your trigger points are if you keep ending up with an X. Uh, yeah. You can figure out if you're... If if you've got a type that actually isn't bringing you right. happiness. Right. So you see patterns where you maybe you didn't, didn't understand patterns. Yeah. It's a way yeah. of tracking your own patterns. And if you do it for three months, then you suddenly have a body of work that you can start mining for clues right. about yourself. Right. And the longer you do it, the more valuable it becomes. Well, and it makes perfect sense because like with all things, we have power over ourselves and not over everyone else. And I right. love the idea of not just relying on having the perfect person walk into the room and sort of say, you, you're it, but instead looking at ourselves and seeing what we can do differently. Right. And I think the pressure that people put on themselves to find the one, yeah. especially if they've connected with someone online and then they take it offline, they're meeting in a bar and you're like, oh, goodness, is this the one? Is this the one? Yeah. How will I know? Mm -hmm. It's the wrong question to be asking. You just need to know, is this someone I can 
throw in the mix? Is there someone I mm-hmm. can introduce them to? Might they have friends that would get on with my friends? Could we all hang out together? But the minute you sit down staring at someone thinking, does he think I'm the one? It's done. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so switching gears a little bit, you have been um, a mentor to so many people starting out. Um, what's your best advice, piece of advice for someone sort of professionally, like in for professional sense? Uh, my advice it is really, really straightforward. It's be good to the people around you. Mm. I'm not a mm. wild believer in having a mentor that's super senior to you. Mm-hmm. I think that your best mentors are your peers ah. and your mm. colleagues. Interesting. Because they're the people that know whether or not you're going to deliver when they ask you to. And they, they know whether or not you're working hard, whether or not you're good at your ah. job. And you know whether or not they are. And I think you tend to rise together and then you pull each other along. And certainly in my own situation it's always been my peers that have told me about opportunities because they're Mm. the ones that would know well this is so interesting because elizabeth i call my sister the sage because she says all these (laughs) wise things and one of the things she always says is that people succeed in groups and so you know if you feel sort of like uh, uneasy because a friend of yours got a big promotion or a big opportunity it's like yeah that's great for that person and also people tend to succeed in groups and a lot of times that is everybody you people rise together. Right. And so and you, your peers are very important to you. I think it's easy to see your peers as competitors. It's much more useful to yeah. see them as peers, colleagues and mentors. And that reinforcement, I think, is super powerful. And it makes you feel better. Well, it's that also interesting. Great advice. It's also interesting because I think some people are like, I don't want to have a mentor because it's like I feel intimidated or like it feels like an awkward relationship or I, I don't know who that person would be. I like I myself have never had a mentor. But but you can say like but if you can look at your peers as your mentors, then it's like we'll look for that among the people that you already naturally have strong relationships. Not that there's anything wrong with a, that other kind of mentor, but you, there's another model. There's not just one kind of mentor. Right, and I think you know if you have your boss or a very senior person as your mentor. Th- your it's boss, different. Yeah, and your job is to help your boss succeed and your boss's mm. job is to help you succeed. So it's already inbuilt into the relationship. Uh-huh. I think more interesting and more surprising are the people around you that initially you might feel competitive with but have a lot to teach you. And also they may be doing similar jobs to you but in different ways. Right. So you get to observe what, what people are doing. And listen, if they're doing it better than you are, then you get to copy them. Right. One of, our, yeah. one of, the, one of the items on our podcast manifesto is... Um, have allies, not competitors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Joanna, we love to ask our guests for a try this at home tip. Do you have um, a try this at home tip for everybody today? Well, I do have a try at home tip that worked for me in the workplace. It's slightly been superseded by digital now, except that I happen to love cookbooks. What I did and I think it's a really useful gift, is to buy someone two of the same cookbooks. They can then have one at work and one at home. So if you're at work and you're thinking, oh, God, what are we going to have for dinner Mm. tonight? You can rifle through your cookbook for a recipe that you remember seeing or you've tried Mm. before. You can look for any ingredients you need to buy on the way home, and then you've still got the recipe when you get back in your cookbook, which is in the kitchen. And for some reason, I still find it more romantic to do that than... Ah. I do riffling through recipes online. Well, it's funny because a lot of people just love cookbooks as as an object. Like they, even though you could look it up on Epicurious or whatever, they love the cookbook. There's something about having 
access to the information that way that's much more powerful. Well, and again, I think there's something romantic about the gravy stains and the oil yes, stains and yes. the butter and the comments that you yes. might have written when you tried it before and you realise, no, it needs more sugar or less sugar. And there's something, yes. again, like friendship. It builds over, over yes. time. And I have relationships with cookbooks. Yes. Um, mm. My mother has a cookbook and it's completely pristine except for the page by the chocolate sauce, which was the chocolate sauce that's like the, the one of three dishes that my father can make. And like that page <laughs> is destroyed uh-huh. over time yeah. and I get a big kick and just like you say every time I look at it I'm like that's dad's chocolate sauce like he's looked at that recipe a million times oh that's such a lovely try this at home. so you buy as a mm-hmm. gift you'll buy two for someone as a gift yes yeah, so they can uh, I mean if it's a working uh, parent yeah. that's working in an office yeah. and they and I know they're stressed about having to to feed kids because I think what is so exhausting about being a working parent is having to at four o'clock in the afternoon start thinking about what you're going to have for dinner that night uh, even if you're only doing it two or three times a week and wanting to cook something quick but healthy right oh well that's such a great idea that's fantastic thanks so much for joining us thanks so much for coming into the studio here in fabulous downtown Brooklyn I love your studio yeah (laughs) thank you Joanna thank you Joanna thank you very much Coming up, I give myself a fashion-related gold star. That does not happen too often. (laughs) But first, this break. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Okay, Gretch, it is time for happiness demerits and gold stars. And this week you are up with a happiness demerit. Yes. So my demerit 
relates to Eleanor walking to school. So my daughters, for years and years, um, went to school within walking distance, which was a huge happiness booster for us. So, I mean, for years and years and years, I've been walking one child or the other or both to school. And um, But Eleanor's big now, and she can walk to school by herself. And mm-hmm. um, But when she reached that point and got comfortable, I wanted her to get comfortable walking by herself, so, you know, fine. But then I thought, oh, well, but I'll just... Once she, I know she can do it, then I will start walking with her again. Just because mm-hmm. I like to do it, it's like a pleasant time in the morning. It's like a mile walk for me out and back. It's just go out in the morning. It's a nice little bit of exercise. It's nice mother-daughter time. You see where this is going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just stopped, right? I was just like, once I didn't have to do it, I just stopped. And the funny thing you is... it just never did it again. Yeah, and it just vanished. It wasn't like I was like, woohoo, I don't have to go out in the cold. I didn't feel disappointed. I didn't feel like there was a loss. It was just like it vanished from my day. It was just it was just mm-hmm. gone as if it had never been there, which was sort of strange. But I remembered sometimes listeners will say, hey, you shouldn't give yourself all these demerits. You know, don't beat yourself up. But the fact is with demerits is a lot of times they've helped us do better. They've taught us to mm-hmm. change something. And I realized as I was thinking about this demerit, the fact is I really do love walking Eleanor to school. And, and mm-hmm. the fact that I don't have to, I still can choose to. And, you know, it's a twofer because on the one hand, it's a mile walk, which is great. And it's time to be with Eleanor in this kind of like low pressure hangout, walking down the street type of way. And so once I thought about the demerit, actually, for the last two days, I have walked her to school because I was like, how was it? It was great. It's totally easy. It's also it's nice out. It's spring when it's bad weather. It's more burdensome. But now it's like nice to be out. And the fact is. It's a really lovely thing to do. It's very little time out of my day. This time will come to an end, and I won't even have the chance to walk her to school. So giving myself the the demerit made me realize how much I regretted it, and then that helped me start again. So I'm hoping that I'll just keep doing it. It's almost the end of the school year, but I really want to recommit to this habit of walking her to school. Yes, you should put it on your calendar for the first day of school. I should. That's a great idea. Okay, I'm going to do that. I know I've started my calendar for next year, so I will put that on the calendar. Now, how about you, Elizabeth? What is a gold star? What is this fashion-related gold star? (laughs) All right, well, I am giving myself a gold star, Gretchen, for something very superficial and small, but it was big for me. Which is trying a new hairstyle. Ooh, that is big so, for you. <laughs> yeah, our school had its big um, annual fundraiser gala recently yeah. um, where you get all dressed up and, you know, the parents all go and dance and there's a band and it's a lot of fun. But I usually, I always get my hair blown out, you know, because I, I, I'm a big proponent of blowouts, but I always just say, oh, I just want something that looks nice and normal, you know, just blow it out so that it has a little bit of volume and, you know, looks good. I never get a style, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. But I decided to throw caution to the wind. Ooh. And I went to Dry Bar and I got an actual like style. It was called the Mai Tai. Yeah. Which is kind of like they curl it but leave the ends straight. Uh huh. Um, if you want to know what it looks like, I'll post a picture on Instagram yeah, and of I'll myself put it, with I'll, the Mai Tai. And I'll put it in the show notes too if you want to see Alyssa's okay. Mai Tai hair. Um, but I felt very vulnerable and self conscious <laughs> walking out of Dry Bar. I almost went somewhere else and had them redo it the normal way because I was like, oh my God, I can't, how can I go out looking like this? I'm all fancy. Everybody's going to be like thinking I'm trying too hard right, right, and I right. look ridiculous. <laughs> but you know what? I went out and I felt great and I think it looked awesome. 
And it was just fun to do something yeah. different. Yeah. Right. Now, I will say as an aside that at the ball, I could look around and see like who else had my ties because <laughs> dry bar is like five styles that you pick from. And one of them oh is a my tie. That's hilarious. Um, including one of my best friends, Amanda. So <laughs> I was like, oh, you got the my tie. But, um, you know, we look great. What can I say? <laughs> It's very Ella. I want to know what the other five styles are called. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, I know one is the old fashioned, and one, Gretchen, you'll appreciate is the Manhattan. Oh, I said. That's, that's when you get it totally straight, stick straight. Oh, so they're all named after drinks, right? Oh, I guess they are. Right? Well, which goes with dry, dry bar. Ah. Oh. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Oh, well, congratulations on thank you. Stepping forward into the world of hairstyles, which is more than I've done, so maybe I will try <laughs> that too. Um, and get that, a Mai Tai. <laughs> the next time I'm in LA, we'll get matching Mai Tais. How Okay, perfect. That would be fun. Okay. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Try the strategy of stop talking. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Also, thank you to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to our terrific guest, Joanna Coles. Read her book, Love Rules, How to Find a Real Relationship in a Digital World. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, as always, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. The resources for this week, if you would like a free personalized signed book plate or signature card for your copies of my books or ebooks or audiobooks, I will post a link in the show notes where you can sign up to get them. This is for the United States and Canada only. I am sorry that is because of mailing costs. This is an actual book plate that I will mail to you, so I have to limit it. Also, if you love great quotations, like the quotation that I read from Robertson Davies, you can sign up for my free Moment of Happiness newsletter, and I will send you a quotation every day about happiness or human nature. You can email me at podcast.gretchenrubin.com, or I will post a link in the show notes. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org/students. That's lls.org/students.